fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into the program. What's up? Happy Friday to you. Pat yourself on the back, man. You finally made it to the end of the week. I know it's been a rough one, been a challenging one, been maybe been a long one or a hard one. Don't worry. You made it. You scream ice cream, we all scream for ice cream, which you can have once you get home from work today. <laughs> That's some good signs, right? Welcome into it, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the program, we love you to death. We never say it enough, never can say it enough. Welcome into it, your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single Day. I was out yesterday, so hopefully you got to enjoy our uh, best of. I took a personal day, not because I was sick or anything, but just because I needed a day. I had been planning yesterday for a while. I had tickets to a show that has been a bucket list band for a very long time. And I was really, really upset I didn't get to see them when they were actually in Wichita last year. So I had to make it a point to go and see them as they were getting close to me this year up in Kansas City, about a two-and-a-half-hour drive from me here in Wichita. And I, I just had to do it, man. I just had to do it. So I hiked all the way up to Kansas City last night for a great concert, and I'm still recovering. If you can hear it, my voice a little bit, I'm still try, trying to recover. My neck is sore. Why? Because we had bang way too much, and that is quite okay. That is the most metal thing I ever heard in my whole life. Yeah, so we did that. I did jump in, you know, like that. Although I'm starting to feel a little bit older. I don't know that I should be doing that anymore. My wife tells me, she goes, Andy, if you jump into the mosh pits, then you don't think that you're going to get any sympathy anymore. Um, when you come out all banged and bruised up because, well, you're a dad, you're getting older, you need to stop doing that, but yet you just can't help yourself sometimes. So, yes, I did jump into it a little bit, had had a great time, I screamed my head off, I had tipped to the band Whitechapel, that was the headliner last night, Phil Bozeman, I know, people are just glossing over, I get it, it's okay, uh, just know, in the metal industry, uh, when you look at like the really, really, really hard stuff, the the crazy growling, screaming things that I enjoy, and I know that's not the most uh, conservative thing that people usually listen to, totally understand. That's what I enjoy. I don't really care what you think about it. I enjoy it. Uh, in that industry, in that world of really, really, really heavy metal, Whitechapel and Phil Bozeman, the lead singer, is an icon. He's the one that started it. He's got one of the best uh, vocals out there. For this industry and this type of metal music, they've been around for close to 20 years. They have like eight or nine or ten different albums out. They are phenomenal, and they've been a bucket list band to see for a very long time, and I finally got to see them. Uh, if you want to see, want to be interested, intrigued at all, I did post some of the pictures and videos on my social media, my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page. I can maybe post it on the Voice of Reason one or share it out a little bit, too, if you're semi-interested in it in any way, shape, or form, but it was a fantastic concert. I rolled into uh, back home about 2 a.m. this morning, driving back from Kansas City. I got a few hours of sleep and then came in, so uh, we're rocking, man. It's a Friday, and welcome into it. we got a lot to get to today. We're going to have some fun. Coming up on the program, bottom of the hour, we have Shannon Duncan. He is an author, entrepreneur, and we sat down and chatted with him about his new book called Coming Full Circle, Using Psychedelics to Heal Trauma. Now, we have the extended interview on our Patreon site, so if you're a Patreon uh, member 
and partnering with us, you can hear the full extended interview. Some fascinating information. Is this becoming a new mainstream thing? Or is it becoming a new mainstream thing regarding using psychedelics, psychedelic drugs? Um, uh, you've heard about, like, with Joe Rogan's podcast, like DMT or ayahuasca for more of the spiritual stuff. Uh, the Native Americans use peyote, or people down in the New, Mer- New Mexico, Arizona area use, like, toad venom or the magic mushrooms. But using psychedelics, hallucinogenics, in order to cure, and I'm not just talking like masking it like a big pharma pill but actually cure mental illness and i think it's a conversation that we need to have today with the amount of mental illness that's running rampant in society the amount of mass shootings all the crazy stuff going on in society could that actually help with things going on if you have depression anxiety ptsd a fascinating conversation and his book on the latest uh, medical research on the science behind using psychedelics to heal trauma. So we'll do that with Shannon coming up at the bottom of the hour. Looking forward to running that interview here in just a little bit. A lot of things going on this week, though. Holy cow, man. Washington, D.C. has been amok, obviously, with the ongoing disaster with Fox News as their ratings continue to tank. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Tucker Carlson making his first video that absolutely blew up, larger than even the ratings that he had on Fox News. So that's hilarious. We'll get to all that and more. But our latest in what's trending coming up today. What's trending today? And I got to show some positive news, but yet question some of the things going on with our Republican leadership right now. Obviously, as you know, with the debates with Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, and how he got elected and the few votes that it took for him to become Speaker of the House, reining him in a little bit and the conservative message that we have to promote. While we only have one chamber of Congress, being the House of Representatives right now, as the Republican majority, do we tread lightly? And try to play nice, or do we hardline and just stop everything? And that's the internal political discussion that needs to be happening right now because Republicans need to figure out what they're going to stand for. Now, Republicans, in my opinion, have already broken their campaign promises by proposing what they propose with this debt ceiling bill that's raising government spending by 1% every year moving forward that allows an increase of $1.5 trillion in debt spending that goes through this budget year, although it doesn't do much for next year, so we'd have to have the same debate again. But they do that while they try to cut some spending from the federal government. In my mind, and this may be a purist view, and that's totally okay, but I'm allowed to have that view, is that I believe they broke their campaign promise because if that's the starting point of negotiation for them, what are we going to end up as when Democrats finally, hopefully, theoretically, could sit down at the table and actually compromise with Republicans? And I use that word very loosely because, as you know, throughout the years, Democrats' terms of compromises get on board with what we do or else you're part of the problem because you need to get on board with us and hold hands and sing kumbaya. And that's what Democrats are already trying to do. They already laughed at the bill that we proposed that's already going way too far because our bill should be there will be zero increase in spending in any way, shape, or form. You will move money from current spending programs to pay for the debts that we have to get through this fiscal year while we work on our new fiscal year budget of 2024 that's being worked on right now that will make sure that we do not increase spending in any way, shape, or form. There will be cuts in our spending, and we will actually decrease the size of government. That's our hardline stance, and if you want to get on board, cool. If not, we'll shut down the government. And if it's shut down for four months, five months, then cool. I don't really care. It's time for you to come to the table with us. I know that's a hardline stance. I know that's more of a quote-unquote purist mentality. But there's some point when you have to draw a firm line in the sand and say we will not cross it. And Republicans have never done that. 
And Democrats always do that. And it's time to actually take the ball back in our court. We're always playing defense as Republicans. And for most voters, I think it's pretty frustrating on the Republican side. So be that as it may, we're going to talk with Congressman Ron Estes from right here in the 4th District of Kansas, my home district. He's going to be in studio with us for about a half an hour uh, on Monday. And he's on the Ways and Means Committee that focuses a lot on the budgetary issues in the House. And I don't know where he stands on this bill yet, but that is my stance that I hope he takes is we will not support this bill because this bill goes way too far in compromise. It's time to draw the line in the sand and stop the damn spending from the federal government. So we're not taking that stance. On that note, however, we have some good news. Because I'm always the eternal optimist. I asked the question a couple of days ago, is what can Republicans do to counter the Democrat messaging that they have with the mainstream media and with them really not even working or willing to compromise with Republicans on issues? And then we don't get the time of day to show what our responses are to show, hey, we're actually wanting to do something. Regardless of what do you think of this bill, good or bad, with this debt ceiling bill from the Republicans, the fact is Republicans have a bill. And the fact is Republicans overwhelmingly, with a majority, were able to pass the bill out of the House of Representatives. Now it's dead on arrival in the Senate because, again, Chuck Schumer says that it goes way too far and he laughs at it, saying that he's cutting spending for middle Americans and that we're cutting all this investment for the low income and all this other garbage because we actually want to cut government spending. So it's dead on arrival, but the fact is Republicans are doing something, which is good news. It may not be good news for us because we don't like what's coming out, but it's good news because we're actually doing something and it gives Republicans leverage for the conversation. Because how long can the mainstream media protect Democrats like Joe Biden and the Democrats in the Senate? How long can they protect them when the Democrats aren't even willing to come to the table to have any idea or plan on how to move forward when Republicans are like, hey, we at least have something going on here? That was our fault back in the day during the uh, Obamacare issue was Democrats kept saying, if you don't like Obamacare and the health care system we're presenting, what's your plan for replacement? And we even got to the point during the Trump administration when we're like, hey, cool, we can finally repeal Obamacare. We can finally get rid of this garbage out of society. Let's go ahead and make this happen. And the Democrats said, cool. They didn't say cool. They're like, all right, well, if you want to do that, what's your plan? And after years of passing bills over and over and over when Obama was in office trying to repeal Obamacare, knowing it wasn't going to go anywhere, then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we have to go back to the drawing table. We have to redraw these plans. We have to come up with a new idea in order to get a replacement now that we have the opportunity to actually make it happen. And we looked really foolish in that time. So now I'm glad we're at least doing something because it makes us look good that we're at least trying to get something done. And we actually have a plan. It's just not a plan that we Uh, necessarily like maybe on the conservative end. But I do want to let you know, we have an opportunity to do something really great here. Really great. I was looking at an email that I got from CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. And, you know, they have their annual convention every year. But they also sent out a ratings card for our elected officials in the Senate and in the House right now. And they sent out two different rating cards. Uh, The Republicans that are in the 90% approval rating from conservatives and the approval rating that are in the 80% ranges, which I'll take an A and B any day of the week. I always tell my daughter, as long as you get an A or B, I'm totally cool. C, that means we need to work on something. A D is like, what the hell are you doing? An F means you're just not even trying. But an A and B, I'll take it. I'm all good. Do you know how many senators on the Republican side are in the 90 percentile range from the Conservative Political Action Conference's conservative rating? 19. 
19. Now, remember, there are uh, 49, 48 Republicans in the Senate right now. And out of that 48, 19 are within that 90 percentile range. There are six on the Republican side in the Senate that are in the 80 percentile range. Meaning overall, in the Senate by themselves, that's roughly 25. That's roughly 50% of the Republican caucus on the Senate side. Now, let's add a 48 Democrats as well and three independents. So we're really, the conservatives are a quarter of the U.S. Senate, which is good news. I use, I think it's, that's good news. At least I'd like to see all 50 of them or 48 of them being actually conservative within that 80 percentile range. But that's okay because you know what? That means that we have at least 25 in that 80 percentile or higher. And with 48 Democrats, at least one or two of them out for medical issues right now, three independents that majoritively vote Democrat or not, but we have a large influence in the Republican caucus. Why the hell can't we get on board to actually get something done in a unified manner? To me, it goes back to leadership with Mitch McConnell. On the House side, it's right about 50 percentile as well as we have 54 within that 90% range, 55 in the 80% range, uh, that would make 109 total out of the 122 Republicans that are in the House of Representatives, roughly 50% of that caucus-ish, give or take a couple. That's good news. We can bump those numbers up a little bit, but with that amount of influence of a conservative caucus within the Republican Party, why isn't it easier to hold the line on a Republican conservative agenda in our bill writing? It's the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. I would like to reiterate as well with this bill that the Republicans have proposed on this debt ceiling issue is not entirely bad. It does a lot of really great stuff. It does kind of rein in some of the COVID-19 spending money that they have just sitting there that they've allotted to COVID-19 that's not going anywhere or doing anything. The government doesn't know what to do with it. That should be used right now to pay some of the bills so we don't default on the debt which again we're not going to because constitutionally you pay the debts and you just move money from other departments or agencies uh it also defunds part of the irs expansion where they don't need those eighty-seven thousand new irs agents it ends the student loan relief program at the federal level it goes after some of the renewable energy investments across the nation which makes democrats absolutely lose their minds because that's their number one pet project right now so And it does instill work requirements for a lot of workers as well to where you actually have to uh, go into training or have some type of work requirement in order to qualify for social programs. I know that's another big trigger for many Democrats. They hate that because (laughs) they they have to actually try to work in order to receive something, which to them, that's like the end of the world, man. We're all going to die because of you! (laughs) Now, the problem, again, the major problem that I have with the bill is the fact that Republicans um, would actually raise the debt ceiling by one and a half trillion dollars and suspend the debt ceiling through March 31st of next year, which would be a bit of an issue, which means by next year, though, it would come to another head. We'd have to figure out what to do with increased spending again or pay the debt if we don't actually figure out a proper budget, which is unlikely because we haven't done a proper budget since before the Obama administration. So it's going to put up the, the, the what they're using it. 
as a way to try to hype up the election, saying, hey, we need to get more Republicans in for the majority and the presidency in order to get our budget back on track. So politically, it makes sense and it's a good bill. Realistically, to actually do the right thing, it's kind of a crappy bill in many aspects. Now, I do give Republicans credit because they're also, because they're in the minority, they know it's not being passed or anything's happening. Why can't we do these things when we actually have the majority? How hard is it to write these bills, man? I really don't understand. They have another bill, according to Breitbart, the, quote, strongest border security package ever, as the Republicans in the House are set to vote on this bill in May. The strongest border security bill ever from the Republicans as, who was it here, Uh, Mark Green, Congressman Mark Green, was in the press conference when Jim Jordan presenting this bill. Every single thing Alejandro Mayorkas is doing is to speed more people into this country. You take a look at his budget. It's intentional. They cut CBP and put billions more into a contingency fund to bring more people into the country. This is intentional. And the drug cartels are seizing the day to get more fentanyl in here and make more money. And you ask the parents of that little baby, how many of you have children? Was crawling around on the floor of a VRBO in Florida. The tenant before had fentanyl. The little baby was dead. Every single American is at risk for these ridiculous open door policies. Well, we've had enough. And these bills and the men that have done, and men and women who've done the work to put this together are saying no more. Now, that's according to Newsmax on that one. The bill were to require the construction of all the incomplete parts of the border wall, as that would resume immediately under this bill, along with allocating funding for the retention bonuses for U.S. Border Patrol agents, which is really funny because the Biden administration said that Republicans aren't investing in border security, and they're actually cutting funding from Border Patrol agents, and that we actually are allowing the individuals come in and how the border crisis is our fault because we're not actually enforcing that bill. That one made me laugh a little bit that he mentioned a couple days ago. But nonetheless, this is what this bill would do. The question is, this is all common sense stuff. We knew this issue has been going on for years. While I'm very glad and I applaud our Republican legislators in the House for presenting this bill, we can vote on it in May. It's supposed to supposedly be voted on the same time that Title 42 ends in the month of May that's keeping us semi-intact down there. Why haven't we done this years ago? Why wouldn't this have been common sense? Why does it have to be now when we know it's not going to pass under a Democrat-run Senate and presidency? Why couldn't we do this years ago to not be in the situation now? the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. As always, always a pleasure to have you along for the ride. Really happy to have this next guest on the program. And it's a fascinating conversation as this has become a more popular topic, I think, over the last few years, uh, which I think is a good thing. I'm a big supporter of this, and I'm glad that this is starting to come to the forefront and we're starting to have a conversation about this issue. But as many states across the nation are trying to legalize marijuana on a front, either for a medicinal or a recreational purpose in some way, shape, or form, the next question is, what about the psychedelic medicine, psychedelic drugs that we see across the nation using ayahuasca or DMT or magic mushrooms, as some like to call those? What do they actually do? 
and does this actually help individuals in any fashion? Excited to have on the program. He's an author and entre- former entrepreneur as well, author of the book Coming Full Circle, Using Psychedelics to Heal Trauma. Happy to have on Shannon Duncan with us here. Shannon, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, thank you. Good. I appreciate you coming on. This is, as I mentioned, a fascinating topic, and we see most states across the nation legalizing marijuana for either a medicinal or a recreational purpose, realizing there's some benefit to it to some degree. And now we see even the state of Colorado looking at actually moving forward with legalizing magic mushrooms under controlled settings in order to help individuals with mental illnesses, whether it's depression or PTSD or anxiety or that sort of fashion. Uh, is this becoming a, a semi-norm in the state, across the nation for at least to have a conversation about? It really is. The, the times are changing, and the old, pretty disingenuous propaganda around the war on drugs and the Just Say No campaigns is starting to fall away, and people are viewing psychedelics less as something seedy that, you know, in their perspective, how it was framed, dirty hippies at music festivals would use them. <laughs> and they're seeing that normal, everyday people use them for a variety of reasons to have experiences that allow them to make positive changes in their lives. Yeah, that's a good thing. Talk about who this could potentially help, because I've heard the rumors of individuals start going towards this road of, uh, mushrooms, for example, being the best example of helping with, like I said, mental illness of PTSD uh, for maybe veterans or for individuals that have extreme trauma or maybe severe depression. Uh, but talk about the science behind this and actually who this could potentially help and how this works. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, psychedelic experiences are different than taking psychiatric drugs. You know, you take antidepressants to help regulate your serotonin so that they help you to feel better. It's symptom management, right? Or when you take an antibiotic, it's there to kill off unhelpful bacteria to help you get better. And, And psychedelics don't work in those ways. It's not meant to be something that goes inside and just fixes you. But what they do do is give you access to help heal yourself, A lot of times traumas were things that were so overwhelming when they happened that our body protected us against feeling those feelings because it it felt like they could kill you, right? It was so overwhelming. And so you develop these defenses to not feel those feelings, and that's why they live in you and have such profound effect on your life. A properly supported, properly held psychedelic experience can help you safely go in, navigate those defenses, and give expression to those feelings so that you're not holding on to them anymore. That's really where the magic of healing trauma with psychedelics comes in. That's amazing. Uh, What type of, let's talk about the experience. If someone goes under this and does, say, a mushroom trip with with a psychiatrist and working through these, opening up those pathways in the brain, what would they experience? What would the trip actually look like and feel like to them? Well, there's a there's an old saying that trying to describe a psychedelic experience to somebody who's never done it is like <laughs> trying to explain the color blue to somebody who's been blind since birth. Mm. It's just so different than your everyday state of mind. You can't experience it. I mean, if you're like at a music festival and you take some mushrooms, you're going to see things are more colorful and maybe there's a bit of a warping distortion to what you see. You feel it a lot in your body. 
Um, when you do, uh, let's just keep mushrooms as the example, in a therapeutic setting, what it's really doing is opening up access to your emotional body. It's opening up access to your deeper self. And that's, uh, that's really what it's about. And your guide or your therapist is there to keep you, you know, breathing from down in your belly and staying relaxed and allowing these things to flow and not resisting it. And that's how you begin the process of this deep, cathartic release of old painful memories and emotions yeah why do you think this has been shunned for so long obviously there was a big study about it in the 50s 60s and 70s especially with the government and the the more government documents are coming out saying that they use these and experimented with these things but why do you think it got shut down and forced into the dark and shadows for so long when there is so many potential benefits and i think even uh, ancient societies knew about for so long, but we never even addressed here. I mean, for the longest time, we've banned marijuana for so long across the nation. Why do you think there's been such a taboo uh, mindset around this? Um, you know, there's there's a lot of information out there, and there's you know theories and conspiracy theories about uh, why that was, but it was largely around control. Like you know, back in the day, um, the African American community were the heavier. It's where you would find more marijuana use, right? It wasn't as shunned in those communities. And so making that illegal gave a lot of law enforcement power to bring force into those communities. Um, you know, just so many people have uh, lost their freedoms and their their experience of life being jailed for something as benign as marijuana. Um and it also came at a time like uh, when the psychedelic studies were going on is when SSRI antidepressants first came into view, and those had such massive economic potentials for big pharma that they didn't want competition from experiences that could potentially help somebody not have to deal with that depression and not have to take a medicine for their whole life. And so, you know, there were a lot of motivating factors and a lot of it came down to control and money. And then the messages that were put out to the public about psychedelics, about it'll damage your brain, it's going to put holes in your brain, it's, you're, it's going to be a fried egg in a pan, remember those old ads? Mm-hmm. This is your brain, this is your brain on drugs. Uh, that was all nonsense. It was all made up. I mean, certainly there are drugs that can do serious physical harm to you, but psychedelics weren't one of them when approached re- responsibly and respectfully. Well, and that's what it comes down to is the responsibility of it, just like every other issue we talk about, whether it's the Second Amendment and gun ownership or anything else, you do things responsibly and don't just go out and just overindulge in something like this. And funny how Big Pharma always glares their ugly face whenever we have these major conversations about actually staying healthy and doing the right thing. We're talking with Shannon Duncan, author of the book Coming Full Circle, Using Psychedelics to Heal Trauma. Let's tie this into... Uh, as we mentioned before, kind of some ancient uh, societies or different cultures. Right now we see a major push mm-hmm. around the world, really, of individuals going down to South America, let's say to like uh, uh, Argentina and Chile and other places to do ayahuasca trips for a spiritual movement. Or we hear about peyote trips with the Native Americans going through their uh, religious ceremonies as well. Do you think this ties in, regarding of whatever psychedelic that you're using, mushrooms or ayahuasca, peyote or even DMT or something like that, does it tie in for individuals, whether it's for the healing purpose and therapeutic purpose or whether it's for a spiritual purpose? Do you think those two go hand in hand on this issue? 
Well, uh, uh, lots to unpack there, but the expansive spiritual use is a different approach to using psychedelics, which is powerful, and I've been there, and I plan to explore more, but it's different than trauma healing on psychedelics. They're fundamentally different experiences in profound ways, and I go into this a lot in the book because it's really important to understand, and a lot of people setting themselves up as experts don't even understand that difference. So it's important to know, especially when you're traveling to a third world country where you're going to have limited support, limited help. Um, for things like healing trauma, ayahuasca is not recommended. It's a powerful medicine. It's a powerful experience. Yeah. But when you're uncorking trauma, it can bring up too much too fast, and you really need to be working instead of in a group, in a loud room with music, in the dark. You need to be working one-on-one with a professional so they can help keep you safe, help keep you breathing so nothing has to feel overwhelming. Sure. There are long lineages of shaman that and uh, and tribes and indigenous people that have used these sacred medicines, and they have real experiences that you can go offer. But there's also a lot of people, quite a few Americans actually, jumping on the psychedelic gold rush bandwagon right now and offering services down in these down in these places based on a radical misunderstanding of how the medicines happen. So you really need to do your research and know what you're getting into. You know, don't don't go by their website because a nice-looking website doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. It just means they have enough money to pay for one. And don't just go by the reviews because they don't post reviews of people who didn't have a good experience. So it's important to really do your homework before putting yourself into a potentially compromising situation like that. There is real help available, and I go into great detail in the book about how to recognize it and how to recognize the imposters. Uh, because they are unfortunately cropping up more and more as these opportunities are blossoming with more people getting interested in psychedelics. Yeah, that makes sense. There's a lot of money that's uh, being involved in it, so I can see a lot of the uh, shadow individuals starting to work behind the scenes on that one. Do you think it's going to become more popular here in the States, whether it is you know ayahuasca trips for the ceremonial purpose or the magic mushrooms? Obviously, Colorado is the first one to do it, but now that we're on the bandwagon here, do you think those types of ceremonies both for a religious or for a medicinal purpose, will uh, start becoming more accepted in the country? They're going to become, they're going to be more and more accepted. More and more prominent figures are coming forward and saying, hey, I had psychedelic experiences and they really helped me out a lot. You know, prominent figures are coming out. So it's being destigmatized in a powerful way for good and for ill. So it's destigmatized, but my whole impetus in writing Coming Full Circle was that anybody interested in exploring this could go into it with their eyes wide open. So they understand what they're getting into, they understand how it really works, and they understand how to recognize the people that are offering something that is at best going to be unhelpful or at worst actually be more harmful. Um, You're highly vulnerable when you're on psychedelics. You're highly suggestible when you're on psychedelics. And it's really important to understand the the qualifications somebody guiding these kind needs to have and how to build trust with them. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason 
with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Freedom, common sense, rationale. That's what we're all about here on this program. Welcome into the show. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks again to Shannon Duncan coming on the program. Coming full circle using psychedelics to heal trauma was the book. You can go and check that out on Amazon, other places as well. Now, that is a portion of the interview that we did prior to. If you want to hear the full thing, you can become a member of our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com, find Who's Your Reason, and you get the perks of a lot of the interviews that we do that are not live on the program here that are a little bit longer than what we get to do on the radio, and you can actually listen to those entirety. You also get access to them before we air them here on the program. You also get access to a lot of the other stuff. We have not done a Voice of Reason infomercial in a while, and I do uh, very deeply apologize for that. I have a lot of them uh, in mind that we are working on, like multiples of them, so we'll get those going here relatively soon, but have not done one of those in a bit. So hang tight with that. And also when you do become a Patreon member, then you also get full access to those before we air those on the radio as well. Wrapping up for today and for the Friday, we had mentioned earlier about the ratings from the Conservative Political Action Conference on our Senate and House members on the 90 percentile and 80 percentile range of Republicans on their conservative voting records, which is good news. It's about 50 percent that are above the 80 percent or more in the Senate and on the House side from the Republican caucus. We could definitely do better, but at least that's good news. I like the fact that we're at least half of our uh, Republican umbrella as the actual conservative caucus. The other ones are kind of out in la-la land doing their own uh, establishment, wishy-washy, rhino, moderate hack stuff. The problem is, is that that's a lot of our leadership, especially Mr. Mitch McConnell, that we have to work on. But nonetheless, you would think that that number would be a little bit higher solely for the fact that the party itself is supposed to be playing to the base of its voters. And the base of the voters, for the most part, are more conservative Republicans. They're not just the rhino, wishy-washy Republicans. So it's interesting to see how they have so much of an influence within the party when they're not really the base of the party at all when it comes to votership. No, I understand there's a lot of districts out there uh, across the nation, especially in the House side where it's purple districts and it's Republican and Democrat alike. you got to find a way to pander to, you know, the little bit more wishy-washy ones, the independents, the rhinos. I get it, but that shouldn't be 50% of the caucus. And here's why I think that. Obviously, with the news tying in with Tucker Carlson and Fox News that happened earlier this week and him leaving, being fired from Fox News earlier this week, the ratings have tanked, according to Newsmax. The Tucker Carlson... Um, nightly viewership overall was averaging right around 3.2 million viewers every single night for Tucker Carlson at 8 p.m. on Fox News. Monday, the first night that he was cut, went from 3.2 as the average down to 2.6 million. Tuesday dropped another million down to 1.7 million viewers. And by Wednesday this week, a 59% drop in average ratings for that time slot, sitting at 1.3 million viewers on Fox, a near 60% drop than what they normally got. What does that tell you? That tells you that the ones that are looking for the conservative content, not the moderate wishy-washy content, but the conservative content, they're gone. They don't want to see, and that was 60% of their viewership. For that time slot specifically. Now, the other shows obviously may have a little bit more of a lighter spin to them, but they didn't have the numbers like Tucker Carlson did. On the same front, Newsmax itself, while not anywhere near that range, has seen a near 260% boost in viewership, averaging near 534,000 viewers for Newsmax in that same time. 
At the same time, on top of that, we have Tucker Carlson, who did make a video on the Tweety just a couple of days ago, two days ago now, that has said 22 million views from there. Imagine, if you will, you leave a network where you're averaging 3 million viewers every night. You make a single video on your own social media by yourself and hit 22 million views all by itself, crushing the ratings that you had just on television as a satellite programming TV show. That tells you something, tells you a few things, but it tells you, number one, that individuals going off on their own without being constrained by a network and telling them what they can and cannot talk about is vastly more popular in today's age going directly to the consumer with your own feeds. It also says that the conservatives are itching for conservative content from Newsmax, from Tucker Carlson, from podcasting shows, from radio programs. They are the activists. They are the active ones within the Republican Party. They are the majority of the voter base. We are not a center, slightly right party. We are a conservative party that wants limited government, that wants laissez-faire free market capitalist ideals, and we want them in our government implementation as well by our Republican elected officials. Republicans, keep that in mind while you look at continuously trying to raise the debt ceiling in the country. That does it for us today. Podcast up in a bit. Have a great weekend. We're back at it on Monday, ready to rock and roll again for an entirely new week. Until then, be your own voice reason. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.